Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Powder Blue Podcast with Jeff Mosher. And usually we have Frank Close here hosting it, but Frank is taking a little break. So we brought in a pinch hitter, uh, a guy who's been on the Powder Blue Podcast before, a friend of the show. His name is Greg Hall. Not only is he a great Phillies man, but he also has his own podcast. It's called We Podcast and We Know Things. So uh, although they, I don't know you guys talk too much Phillies on that, uh, Greg, I know you know things about the Phillies, and uh, that's why you're such a great pinch hitter. So welcome back. Thank you. So good to be back. Yeah, I appreciate that. Our podcast has nothing to do with sports, but it's always great to be back in the sports realm talking Phillies with you. Well, that you're like an untapped resource in that. I'm sure you're bursting at the seams to talk Phillies because you do such a great job following the team and, and knowing the game. So we're happy to have you back. And Look, it's a, it's, it's a bittersweet last 48 hours for the Phillies. Obviously a great thing to take three or four from the Padres, and we'll get into how they closed it out. But the fact is they had to close it out without Bryce Harper, which is the life that they are going to have to live now for God knows how long. <laughs> it's good. Eight weeks might feel like 20 weeks by the time this thing is done, and it's just really, really unfortunate. I mean, for a team that's kind of – you know, going through the Girardi firing and being up and down and sort of finally starting to hit its stride to lose Harper. There's very few players I think that you lose and you just wonder, can the team just completely tank? But with the Phillies, even after one win though, you wonder like, will this just completely be it for them as they go forward and try to outlast the Mets and the Braves? I just, I thank Ryan Yarbrough for almost ruining our season. He was the one who hit Mickey Moniak mm-hmm. in the last game of spring training in the hand. Mm-hmm. Then Gene Segura in the hand, mm-hmm. Bryce Harper in the hand. So something about the 2007 John Lannon injury to Chase Elliott is funneling through this 2022 team. Like you wouldn't believe just hand injury after hand injury. And I think the answer for this team is Nick Castellanos. Schwarber has hit his groove. We are seeing June Schwarber is the best version of Kyle Schwarber you could ever even imagine. Mm -hmm. He's better than advertised this month so far. Castellanos has been the exact polar opposite. Four hits today, got thrown out trying to stretch a single into a double, but that is what we're looking for to fill Bryce Harper's shoes. They're shoes that can't be filled, but Nick Castellanos, probably one of the best options in baseball to attempt to fill it. Yeah, I kind of have gotten used to the idea. I probably did it by, honestly, by May, that we're we're just not going to get. And I, it doesn't surprise me. You know, when guys change teams, like you don't always know what you're getting. And I think Nick Castellanos is a, is a really good ball player and will be. But I'm sure all of us kind of had this vision of, oh, my God, like Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, and Kyle Schwarber. And you could throw Reese Hoskins in there if you want. They're going to mash, and there's going to be weeks where this team is going to score like 50 runs a week, but it's just, it never happens that way. Even the Yankees have been thinking that they're going to get that for years when they put like six 40 home run hitters together. But what happens is two guys are hot, two guys are not, right? And you just never get everybody mashing at the same time. So the Phillies will never have seen that now, unfortunately, until unless Harper comes back later this year and everybody's healthy and, and who knows what happens. But I, I think you're right that if you're looking at people who have to step up here and you're starting this, you started to see it for a game or two, Nick Castellanos has to be that guy. Now, Schwarber is going to be Schwarber. I think we're, we're seeing that Castellano has to step up. There's a couple other guys we, we'll talk about. But let me ask you this, Greg, because because I was looking forward to see what kind of lineup. And actually, before we even get to the lineup, I would. Well, it's part of that. I, I kind of thought with the only quote unquote positive byproduct of of Bryce being out this long 
is that finally the DH spot is open now for all these guys who really should be DHs in the first place. And so I thought, hey, this is a great time this Sunday game against the Padres to close it out to get JT Realmuto in the DH spot if you still wanted to play Stubbs. And interestingly, Rob Thomas said, nope, we're going to leave JTR on the bench. Uh, we're going to play Stubbs, Garrett Stubbs, and then we're going to put Nick Castellanos at DH. And it paid off, as you mentioned. He had four hits. Yeah, it paid off, too, because Matt Veerling made a diving play in yes. right to save an out. And I think it was the seventh right? I think it was the seventh when Canable was, was yeah. pitching. So, like, it's already starting to pay as – it's like – it's paying dividends, but it's at the expense of Bryce Harper. So yes. it's one of those things that's just never going to be, um, you know, we're trying to make the best out of a terrible situation. And I think what this does, unfortunately, with this injury, it allows people like JT to, you know, just hit when he needs the off day. Stubbsy, 0 for 3, then comes up with another clutch hit to drive mm-hmm. in an insurance run. I mean, like Garrett Stubbs has been as good of a backup catcher as you could ask for. But I think that, like, getting Castellanos out of the field, putting Veerling there, putting Moniak there, putting somebody in right that can handle themselves because Schwarber is Schwarber in left. He's got mm-hmm. a noodle for an arm. He gets to what he can get to. Nick Castellanos has kind of been the worst fielder maybe since recent 2018 when he played left. Mm-hmm. So I would expect Nick to probably DH four times a week maybe at this point. Um, you kind of have to. Yeah. I have huge issues with JT and I think that where I'm at is I'm thankful that we are not in a spot like two years ago and last year where JT had to be, if Harper went down, JT had to be one of those guys But right now, if he does great, if he does not, we have Schwarber, we have Castellanos, we have Harper, Segura is coming back. Eventually there are other guys that can fill that void. I'm a JT sixth or seventh kind of guy. I hate it when he hits cleanup. I can't mm-hmm. stand it. So, you know, I'm thankful he doesn't have to be the guy. Sure. And really an interesting decision, I thought, by Rob Thompson late in that game. Um, was it the seventh or eighth inning where Stubbs got that hit? You kind of wondered after the um, – after was it Stott that let off? I forget when, when Stubbs got the hit. Uh, Boehm hit a leadoff double. Boehm had the double. And by the way, we got to talk about it. He's starting to hit a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Boehm gets the double to right field, and he's doing that much better now, hitting the ball the opposite way. And you thought that that would be an area where maybe they pinch hit JT for stubs, right? Because JT had had a nice game the game before, and he's, maybe he's, you're trying to come out of it. And he, in general, most people would rather have JTR up there, even when he's struggling, than, say, their backup catcher. But he left Stubbs in, and Stubbs came in with the big hit. So I thought that that was one of those decisions where if Stubbs strikes out, you're like, why didn't you, you pinch hit JTR? You know, but Stubbs gets the hit, and it looks really like a good decision there. J, uh, Garrett Stubbs was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts right. leading up to that at bat, too. So that's one. Two, my guess is he was playing the lefty righty matchup. Stubbs yes. hits left. They mm-hmm. had a hard throwing right hander. JT is really struggling with hard stuff right now. Yep. Um, his two homers. I be- we're both down in the zone. I believe one was a sinker and one was a changeup. I can't remember, but he's he's really struggling with hard stuff. So mm-hmm. that's my guess as to why Rob Thompson made the decision that he made. Trust. At- you know what? I think Rob Thompson has done an amazing job at trusting his guys. Definitely. Like Andrew Bellotti got the save today. I, I, listen, there was nothing more shocking to me than his usage of the bullpen that wound up working. I, I, 
Alvarado <laughs> pitched the eighth, like, and and for some reason found after a leadoff double, found his way out of it. He yep. trusts his guys, which you know I think we're done talking Joe Girardi. His time is gone. But the mm-hmm. one thing that I will say about his time here is that he didn't trust yeah. his guys. He had a pretty tough uh, track record managing a bullpen, and when Thompson comes in and says. This is how it's going to be. I'm going to trust my young guys, Bryson Stott, Mickey Moniak, to an extent. I mean, Oduble was hitting well when Moniak got sent down, but mm-hmm. he's trusting his guys. It's refreshing to see, and we're seeing the rewards of that. We saw it with Stubbs' walk-off against the Marlins. Another insurance run today. Bilotti yep. gets the save, and I just enjoy watching a manager who just has faith in his team. It's nice to see. It almost felt like he was like, hey, I'm in San Diego. I'm going to let the San Diego guys <laughs> carry us to a win. Stubbs and Andrew Bellotti, the unlikely San Diego natives who uh, came through when you needed them the most. Let, let's talk about the lineup, though, because obviously the looming question still is, can this team stay afloat, flourish, stay in the race without Bryce Harper? Um I agree with it. It looks like Castellanos will probably get a, a lot of the DH now and they'll be better defensively for that. I, I was a little curious on how he was going to, if he was going to move Hoskins, if he was going to put somebody else in the two hole and bump Hoskins to three Castellanos to four, um, because I think you and I would both agree. It's, I don't, I don't know that you want JT up in the lineup the way he's hitting right now, even when he's, as you mentioned, coming out of it a little bit, but still not dealing with the great, the, the hard stuff. But I don't necessarily think I love Didi Gregorius hitting cleanup as well, which is what he did in that that last game. Went over. He started off the season really well, but he's starting to settle back into um, what Didi Gregorius is. Do you think there anybody's making a case? Maybe Alec Bohm to hit second and then move Hoskins to three, Castellanos four, or do you do something with Schwarber, or do you just go with what they went with on Sunday? The team needs Segura back. Like really that's do. the, that's the eventual answer at two. Right. And when you look at his, he was somewhere between six and 10 week injury. He got hurt. Uh, man, I want to say one, two, three, like five ish weeks ago or so probably a little over halfway through his injury on the shelf plus his rehab assignment. So, I mean, we got to find an answer there. I think the answer is boom too. He had success there earlier in the season because Agreed. his team doesn't have a cleanup hitter. I don't ever want to see JT Riamuto in the cleanup hole. I don't want to see Didi Gregorius there. But to be fair, this team hasn't had a pitter all season. He's been the mainstay in the cleanup hole. So they've gotten by with that top three. But when your three-hole hitter is Bryce Harper, you can. He was on his way to a second straight MVP. So. Now more than ever, they need a four-hole hitter. I would agree with your assessment that Hoskins goes there and Bohm goes up too. The only issue I can see there is that probably means DD5, JT6, and that that kind of leaves you short, uh, 6, 7, 8, or 7, 8, 9, I should say, with Bohm at the top of the lineup because mm-hmm. he's getting hot. Yeah, and He would be a fantastic weapon at the bottom third of your order. Right. So it really leaves 7, 8, 9 with a lot of question marks at that point. It does. I mean, it's not ideal to begin with now, whether you've got whether you've got Herrera in there or, or Bryson oh, yeah. Stodd, who's still batting, you know, below the Mendoza line. Veerling is starting to hit a little bit more. And I realize he's only hitting 240, but, you know, it's, it's sort of like, do you want to just um, try to assault them early you know, with, with a better top five and, and hope that you score enough runs? 
or do you want to try to even out the lineup a little bit? It's possible they do. Maybe they they play Bohm, uh second against left-handed pitchers and right-handed pitchers. They they keep Hoskins in the two hole and and keep Didi as the cleanup hitter and try to just play the percentages that way. Yeah, I mean, then you're leaving three righties in a row, yeah. and that could be dangerous late innings with the hardier lineup. If you have a dominant right-handed, you know, setup man or closer, I mean, you know, it's it's there's just no way around this. <laughs> <They're> just <laughs> exactly, not- <laughs> exactly. There's no ideal situation. I mean, they could go out and make a trade, but at the same time, I'm looking to upgrade the bullpen. If you could do a two for one, something like a this is pie in the sky, and it would take a lot of prospects, but something like Andrew Benatendi from the Royals with with like a. Uh, Josh Stalmount or a Scott Barlow or something like that, like a legit back end reliever to right. go with. That's going to cost you every prospect in the system. You're probably not going to get that deal without a Mick Abel or an Andrew Painter highlighting that package. I don't want to touch that. I'll move forward with kind of what we have at this point. Yeah. But it's, it's funny. Bryson Stott was like four for six off of Max Scherzer. He had two hits against Walker Bueller, but then hits 140 against everybody else. Matt yeah. Veerling can hit game tying homers against every closer in baseball. Like <laughs> there are stretches or bright spots or flashes, I guess, where you can see the potential of these young players at the bottom of the lineup. And now is their chance. They don't have their MVP to carry them for what we saw last year, the entire second half of the season. Um, they're going to have to step up in a big way. I think today really helped show that. I mean, it was the bottom of the order that got a lot of that done. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't lost faith yet. Three out of four in San Diego is huge. We've got a nine-game homestand, Atlanta, Washington, St. Louis, who's right against us in the wild card, right ahead of us. It's going to be a big couple weeks coming up. Yeah, and again, sort of like the last two games, and it's such a small sample size, um, but it's it shows you what they have to do, and we'll see if they can keep it up. But they're going to get the power from, from Schwarber, who I want – we'll talk about in a second. But I thought that their ability – now, granted, Schwarber hit another, obviously, the big three-run home run in the fourth, the closeout game, but they manufactured extra runs there, including some of those insurance runs and in, in the runs before that. And even in game three against Snell, they, they were not relying on the long ball. They were able to manufacture some runs. Now, usually Harper's a big part of that, but I don't think that they can be just a long ball team now. I think with their lineup, they're going to have to hit, hit some into the gaps, hit better with runners in scoring position, move a couple of guys, maybe – rely on what little speed that they have. It's amazing that Kyle, Kyle Schwarber has four stolen bases. I think that's hysterical, but it's more than Mike Trout, rely- by the way. What's that? It's more than Mike Trout. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wild. He has four stolen bases this year. Mike or Mike Trout has three stolen bases since right. 2020. It's unbelievable. 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 But they they will, I think you'd have to agree, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to push runs across the, the plate, not on long balls all the time without Harper in the lineup. It's a shame because it's tough for them to do. I mean, look at the the ineptitude of this team with runners in scoring position over the last couple of weeks since the winning streak ended, really. I mean, this team is – they don't have a hit yet with the bases loaded and nobody out the entire season. Unbelievable. It's one of those, like uh, – the, the, one of the most crazy stats you could ever think of with this lineup, you know. And so I, I think of, like, Hoskins, who when he's hot, he's hot. When he's off, he's off. DD is super inconsistent. Oduble, you never know what you're going to get. JT, same thing, struggling mightily, strikes out a lot, very rarely gets the clutch hit. So for us to be a team that has to string together hits to score those runs scares me, quite frankly. It, it does. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, a week from now we could be singing a different tune, especially with the, the Phillies up. I mean, not the Phillies, the, uh, the, uh, the Braves 
on deck. And that's going to be a very telltale series, I think. And then obviously the Cardinals after that. Uh, it's, look, it's one of those things real yeah. quick. It's one of those things to me where if the bottom of the lineup does their job and they're the ones that gets the hits, then you have the Schwarbers, the Hoskins to be able to hit the long ball to drive them in. I think you can accomplish a little bit of both the way this lineup is currently constructed, but that so obviously means that the bottom has to do their job. Right, right. Uh, as for Schwarber, who continues his assault on June, like June must be like, dude, what do you have against me? Like, <laughs> it's it's crazy. He had 16 home runs in June last year, and now he's up to 10, yeah. I think. And now we still got like five days here left in this month, right? Four days. So, well, there's a day off today and then we'll see what happens against the Braves but you never know he might pop five or six against the Braves the way he's going all right-handed starters for the Braves we don't get yes. Max Free. yes so, so it, it occurred to me just watching him Greg that that we just haven't seen this type of power display since since Ryan Howard like since you know Earl like the the mid MVP Ryan Howard days and it's really something to behold because that's that's been you know over a decade now it's hard to believe but it's been over a decade it's a good I'm going back in my Rolodex of Philly's uh, history here. And there are three instances I can think of of players who have had a streak like this from a power perspective mm-hmm. in like a shortened stint in a one. Oh, month you're going to if you say Don Brown, I have that's to, one. <laughs> <laughs> Two is 2017 Reese when he first came up. Yep, he hit. I think he has the Phillies record for most homers in his first 20 games or something along. He those does. Lines. Yeah. Um, and then Raul when Raul had that incredible home run streak in 2009. Yeah. So, and that was, that was still peak Howard, but it happened around the same time. So like when I think back, yes, this has happened. But when I also think back, all three of those hitters kind of after that hot streak. So see, see the thing with, with, with Kyle is though, that that's kind of who he, this is who he is. I mean, he's when he's on, I mean, he's, he's got 40 to 50, like with Reese, I think while we got all excited from that first month, you just knew that he was not going to be a guy who's going to keep be capable of hitting 45. Hours. He was streaky even in the minor leagues, right? Um, yeah. And then of course Abanez and and Dom Brown. I mean, but th- <laughs> this is this is who Schwarber is, and and as long as he doesn't tear a hamstring, I, they can't afford to lose anybody at this point. But as long as he stays healthy, um, this is going to be a pretty fun thing to watch. Now he does get streaky too, but I mean, even if he hits half as many home runs in a month as he is in June, he's still doing a great job. Kyle Schwarber also, his power is kind of effortless. He just flicks the wrist and the bat head just goes into the zone. And when it makes contact, the ball just flies. It's as simple as that. And so, I mean, you saw today with an opposite field home or two. I mean, like even that looked effortless. And so Kyle Schwarber, out of everybody I just named, has the most effortless home run swing. That's why I trust it the most. Mm-hmm. It's like the Schwarbaum can come out of nowhere. Right. It's like the RKO of baseball. And so, like, I, I'm, I'm in on that, and I believe in it. It's the rest of the lineup that they are so inconsistent. Bryce was the, uh, the mainstay. You, you know what you're going to get from him. Right. Nick was that before this season. He – I think maybe that four hit game today, hopefully that gets them going. Of course they do this with an off day tomorrow, but at the same time coming back from it, from Cali, that that's fine. Uh, I am so, I, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I was not a Schwarber in the leadoff hole kind of guy. I'm agreeing I with you. I wasn't either. And I'm wrong. I've been proven wrong. That's totally fine. I love eating crow. It's my favorite meal. So yes, happy to do that. But, could you imagine if this team had a legitimate leadoff hitter and could put him for? Yeah, that listen, I, I thought Segura should have been that guy, and then I, I would have liked a Segura um, 
you know, Hoskins, obviously at the time, uh, uh, Mr. MVP. I don't know why all of a sudden I can't remember Bryce Harper's name, but yeah. And then Schwarber, I thought that that would have been a good top four as well. Or if you wanted to put, you know, Harper two, Hoskins or whatever, I just thought that that yeah. would have been like the ideal um, scenario, but uh, you're right. I I'm eating the same crow. Um, at this point I'm leaving Schwarber there, letting him do his thing and hoping that he stays hot and can carry this team for the next, at least until Segura gets back. It feels like it's been forever. I think it's only been what, two weeks now. Segura is like four or five now. Oh, has been, it been he four? was right okay. before that. He was not around for the winning streak. Right. He did so, and that That's was point. Uh, June third, June first. That started. So at the very beginning of the month. So yeah. Um, Wednesday, June first was that win against the Giants. Then Girardi got fired on the second. So, right. um, it's been it's been a month. So you know he's halfway there. It's it's funny though. This team has had the worst leadoff hitter in baseball the last two and a half seasons, statistically speaking. Schwarber mm-hmm. is kind of breaking them out of that now, finally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the people on Twitter that are like, he's only hitting 210. Like, oh, God. <laughs> he's got 24 overs or whatever it is. Um, it 46 RBIs, right? I mean, come it on. <laughs> it wasn't all that long ago that Odubel Herrera was this team's leadoff hitter. So let's be thankful. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so here's an interesting parallel, right? Cause I think of the Padres who they obviously just took three or four of, but they're, they're a good team. They're still 15 games over 500 and they're not a team with a whole lot of power. I mean, they don't have Tatis jr. The whole year long, um, Machado has had a great year, but he's not, he doesn't have 18 home runs. He had like 11 home runs and he's one of their top power guys. They just have kind of a balanced lineup, but really they have an excellent staff, um, and really good bullpen. And so, when you see what the Phillies have done over the last two weeks and their bullpen's sort of remarkable turnaround, I don't know if that's something that's going to last very long or if it they're just riding a streak right now. But certainly the starting pitching, even though Gibson struggled uh, on Sunday, this is sort of they, – they need to kind of take a page out of the Padre playbook here, rely, as we mentioned, on whatever they can get from the back end of their, their lineup, manufacture runs, but then really hope – that the the they really need to hope this bullpen is a real thing that Rob Thompson has kind of figured this out. Ruben Amaro made it a weird, I thought, comment on the on the post game where he said that Rob's done a good job of giving guys their roles and letting them be comfortable with that. And I'm I'm not no, sure yeah. because I certainly didn't anticipate a Kniebel, Alvarado, Bellotti seven eight nine. And in fact, I'm a I'm a little disappointed in I guess the trend is continuing that they don't feel like they can use Sir Anthony like two straight days or if he throws more than like two pitches. So that's the uh, number. Yeah. That's it literally is enough. He threw two pitches. Can't, can't pitch the next day. Cause I would have really liked to have seen just for confidence purposes, um, Sir Anthony come into that game or maybe even Brad hand. But again, like I'm not going to, the, the plan worked. I just always think that relievers really do need repetitive roles. And I'm wondering how long he can just kind of say, I'm just going to throw the best matchup I think is going on seven, eight, nine. And if it's Sir Anthony and Brad Ham one night, great. If it's Bilotti and it's, uh, you know, Alvarado one night, great too. I don't know how long that, that that's a, a formula for success long-term for. You have teams like the twins who do kind of closer by committee. They have right. one of the best pitchers I've ever seen in Johan Duran. And he's not their full-time closer. Emilio Pagan has more saves. Right. You have teams like, Tampa Bay, who has a new closer every day. And those kind of over-analytical managers, they decide to go that route. But then if you look at the, the way baseball is currently constructed, mm-hmm. the Brewers have Josh Hader. They're one of the best teams in baseball. The Yankees, they have Chapman, but and 
he's been hurt. I think it's been Chad King. I, I can't remember. Clay who Holmes, I believe. That's it. Thank been, you. He's yeah. been unhittable. Yes. And he's been one of the best, I guess, uh, replacement closers in baseball. But that's mm-hmm. been his role. The right. Dodgers, Craig Kimbrell, that's been his role. Struggles or not. These are, you know, Edwin Diaz for the Mets, they have a closer. Right. And Thompson took over, and Knable was that guy. I applaud him for taking him out of the role. Same here. And I really do appreciate it. But I thought, okay, Sir Anthony's, that's got to be his role. But because he is so electric, Thompson says, okay, let me just get the best three hitters out, uh, you know, from him that I can be at the seventh, eighth, or ninth. And then the first opportunity that he had to close out a game was he, he gave it to Brad Hand. And he had two runners on and barely got out of the ball game. So, like, right. it was against the Nationals. So, I'm thinking, like, you know, oh, man. I, and, and then Knable gets the save. I'm sorry. Sir Anthony gets the save yesterday. Um, I should say Saturday against the Padres. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. great. It was kind of clean. That's exactly where we're going to go. And to your point, can't go two days in a row. I'm a little disappointed there with an off day tomorrow. I'm a little disappointed there too. But, hey, they got the job done. That's all you could ask for, right? Yeah, I really – and, again, I thought with the off day they would be um, willing to do it. And I I, I almost dislike the but they got the job because I'm with you. They got the job done. You're not wrong. How often do we say, ah, man, I knew that wasn't sustainable. Or, you know, they got the job done that day. Three years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm a big, I, I, I agree with Ruben's assertion that guys are better when they know their roles. I just disagree with the fact that he has Rob Thompson, Rob Thompson has established roles other than I've got a high leverage situation here. And this is a day where Sir Anthony can pitch. So I will use him in a high leverage situation, even if it's before the ninth, seventh, eighth, whatever it is, which is I'm Ruben. fine with, but I, I really was hoping that he would eat, he would sort of that would be a roadmap to eventually making Sir Anthony the closer and maybe it is but we're not there yet so I'm always going to kind of bristle or or maybe have some skepticism when a guy like Alvarado comes in or Knievel or even Hand as you mentioned he, yeah. he he's an adventure out there when even when he's doing well of the only, of the three guys they signed this offseason he's been the only one worth their salt Knievel's figuring it out in those lower leverage roles. And I appreciate that his ERA is only in the low three. So it's not like he's been a complete disaster. Familia can see you later. I don't ever want to see him pitch in the Phillies uniform again, but a guy like Ruben, Ruben took his stripes from, you know, being in that front office when Gillick won the world series Gillick, Mm -hmm. he wanted Tom Gordon, Brett Myers and Brad Lidge. That's he had those roles defined as their closer. Who did Ruben get Jonathan Papelbon? He loved the defined role. So for him to say that is not off brand. I still tend to agree with that philosophy. I mean, I'm not a general manager nor a manager, but if I was, I would, I would go with the more dedicated role uh, aspect. I do love analytics, but at the same time, I think trusting your guys and them knowing where they'll be used, I think is kind of invaluable, especially in today's game. So um, I I appreciate this. I I would have loved, I will love if Sir Anthony, let's say on Tuesday night against the Braves, they're up five, three in the ninth. I would, Really hope it's Sir Anthony in the night there, not Brad Hand or even Bilotti. I would agree. I hope it's Sir Anthony. I would agree. Now, maybe the one thing I wonder is, and, you know, I'm, I'm just fast-forwarding to the Braves here. Um, you know, they don't have Freeman anymore. Olsen's a right-hander, right? I mean, most lefty. of their, their guys lefty. are – oh, Olsen's lefty? Olsen hits lefty. Most of their other guys are right-handed batters that I can think of, right? Acuna – Acuna's a righty. He's righty. day-to-day. He's a little bit shaken up. Olsen's a lefty. Austin Riley's a righty. Yeah. Um, Albies is a righty, righty, I believe. Albies is out. He's on the 60-day. Oh, IL. of course. Of course. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Dansby, Dansby Swanson's a righty who yeah. just crushes us, and he's on a hot streak. So, yes, they're a very righty-heavy team outside of Olsen, who's 
finding his stroke, but still is he, he doesn't scare you the way stroke. Freddie did. Right, right. So I would again agree with you that Sir Anthony should be the guy there in the, in those cases, and and hopefully we will. And I and I still think by the end of the year, we're probably going to get to some level of repetitive roles. I like, I just, this is not a, in my opinion right now, I mean, it's just not a good enough staff of arms proven enough to say, I'm going to use different guys in the eighth and ninth all the time. I mean, eventually they're probably going to figure out who their two most reliable guys are and try to form some repetition. Uh, And until then we'll just hold our breath every single game and see when they get to the eighth and ninth of a one or two run game. Let's say the baseball gods shineth their light down upon us and we're playing in late October. Mm-hmm. We are not going closer by committee in the playoffs. It, no. it just won't happen. So if you can establish your roles early and often, and whether they bring somebody in at the deadline to be that back end piece, what have you, again, Dombrowski's going to do what Dombrowski's going to do. Right. Um, you need to establish those roles at latest by September 1st, at latest. I'll give it a leash for now. They're, yeah. they're patching it together. They're winning ball games. I'm okay with this for now. But by that time that hot stretch run comes, I really need to see some defined roles just so we can all know who it's going to be when, mm-hmm. the, when the game is on the line. I, again, I don't think you can understate how important that is, especially come a pennant race. Yeah, no doubt. Need that trust. And it, it's funny. So when they were playing the Rangers, and for whatever reason, the Rangers are the, Marl- the new Marlins. You just can't beat the Rangers. Um, now, I'll give, you, I'll give you this. The lefty, uh, he, he's a good pitcher. He's kind of an underrated pitcher. Martin um, Perez. Martin Perez. Underrated pitcher because he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's been pretty decent for a few years now, and you kind of almost forget about him because he's always on a small market team. And then Gray was a good pitcher in Colorado, just couldn't stay healthy. Right. Right. You knew once he got out of Colorado, if he could stay healthy, he's got good stuff. So they ran into two good pitchers with good stuff, but I couldn't help but think, watching that series, if the Rangers fall out of it, could the Phillies, like, double dip again? Like, could they go – call the Rangers again at the deadline and be like, you don't need uh, Mark, Marty, uh, the lefty. You don't need your left or even the, their bullpen guy, Barlow, who's having a, a pretty good year. Right. I mean, they've got a couple yeah. of guys, maybe even gray. They want to part with, I don't know. They got a couple of guys in that, that staff that, that could look good in, in the, uh, in the powder blue come the deadline and probably not cost too much to get. The first thing I was going to say when you were done that, I was going to say future Philly Martin Perez. You mean, yeah, uh, I could see it. <laughs> um barlow is a is a really young guy he's got a ton of control left Uh, they're a team that just spent a half a billion dollars on Corey seager and marcus Semyon. so i don't think that they're going to want to throw away major controllable pitchers but guys like martin perez Mm -hmm. who have been around a long time veteran can get you a decent return back thank you for your time a la kyle gibson last year sure the track record is there for nebraska to make that call with texas he literally did it at the trade deadline last year he brought in a reliever and a starter if i go through texas's bullpen in my head there's nobody that like jumps out at me that i would want to go grab outside of a joe barlow but again Mm -hmm. he's so young and controllable i don't see texas parting with him but like a martin perez would be a heck of a trade deadline acquisition there goes you know whether it's Eflin with his knee or something's going to happen. This rotation is not going to be the same the entire season. It just right. Right. To be able to no. grab that insurance would be nice. I think I'm 99% sure when they swept us in Philly, the Rangers last month, that it was Perez and Gray who started mm-hmm. both of those games as well. It right. was like, it's crazy that those two dudes started both two game series and ended up winning all four. Barlow actually got the save in both the first two games. So yeah, yeah the Rangers – they have our number. Good thing we only play them once every four years. I mean, if you think of like they they really gave it. They, they fought hard again in the Marlins series against some pretty good pitching there, including um, 
you know, the Marlins ace. Uh, and Alcantara. I don't know why. Every, yeah, every, the names always escape me. I'm like that guy, the Marlins ace. But uh, yeah, Alcantara <laughs> is a good pitcher. Uh, Lopez wound up not going in that series, right? But yeah, the they went with uh, the kid who started today. I don't think it's Cabrera. Um, I can't remember, but he didn't have it. He had a 0.0 ERA. Right. Shot out right. They fought the those guys. So you kind of thought in Texas, you know, they would be, yeah. you know, do. but, you know, like you said, that you run into your kryptonite every once in a while, and it's now become the Texas Rangers. Um, good story here with the Phillies bullpen that we haven't talked about, and that is Mark Appel who is going to be promoted and uh, be a Philly. It's, it's happened. Um, it's a, it's, it's a really an incredible story and it's sort of an un Phillies like story. I mean, like, you know, the Phillies who haven't developed a pitcher in forever and this guy, uh, especially a reliever. Right. And um, this guy, number one overall pick, and now he's 30 years old and he was out of it and he came back in and look, he's, he's not just a good story, but like he's pitching. Well, I, I wonder if the age, the, 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 everything he went through enables him to come up here and just have a different kind of mindset, you know, for his first time in the majors. And, and that's a, a, a stairway to success for him. It's icing right now. The cake has been made. It's right. all icing. Right. Mark Appel was flirting with an ERA, uh, an ERA around seven last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, like you said, he didn't know if he wanted to continue on as a professional baseball player, gave it another shot. And to the Phillies' credit, the Phillies gave him another shot. They didn't release him. This is a this is a typical story for the Phillies that we've heard for a decade. Yeah. They get this guy, he struggles, they release him, and then magically he goes and finds success somewhere else. And so it's nice to see that they stuck with it, that he finally gets his major chance. This is the Chris Coast of the bullpen. <laughs> I'm telling you. You great. know, so he was a 30-year-old rookie, Mark Appel, 30-year-old rookie. Yeah. I just love the parallel there. Maybe Mark Appel can write a book one day. Chris Coast, great book, by the way. It's one of my favorite reads, but um, I, I kind of expected him to pitch today where Nick Nelson came in and hey, three and a third, perfect, basically innings from him. Fantastic job, Nick Nelson. I was right. kind of expecting a Pell. He's going to be the long man out of the pen. And it's one of those things where I want to see him pitch to see him finally step on that major league mound. But at mm-hmm. the same time, if he's going to be the long man, that means the starter had a rough night and I don't want to see that. So yeah. it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I'm wondering how they're going to get him into that Braves. I mean, this is a, such a critical and pivotal series coming up. But, I mean, he's up here for a reason. Look, 19 games, 5-0, and 28 innings. He had uh, 24 strikeouts, uh, po- uh, the opposition hitting 182 against him. He clearly found something, and you just hope that when he comes up, he's, like you said, because it's he's not tight. We've seen how many guys have we seen come up and just not, whether it's Spencer Howard or somebody else, just not be what they were in the minors. And then we're like, oh, did they rush him? Was he just not ready? You know, whether it's a hitter or a pitcher, you just kind of hope that the whole veteran thing is like, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to go out here and be me. You know what, Jeff? You know what he found was a consistent role. He was mm-hmm. a starter. About he, that. he converted to a bullpen piece. He was able to channel that in. Spencer Howard, starter, reliever, starter, reliever. They went back and forth and back and forth. Francisco Morales, back and forth. And now exactly. he's finally finding a little bit of footing as a reliever. They convert a Pell to reliever. He accepts that. He knows that at his age, he's probably going to make the biggest impact that he can mm-hmm. as a reliever. He doesn't have the same strikeout stuff he did when he was the first overall pick of the Astros a decade ago. But that is okay as long as he gets people out. And it's, I think, where we're going to see him, mm-hmm. if we see him, is – one of two spots, it's uh, the next F1 start or the next Ranger start. Ranger, you're going to get a great Ranger start or you're going to get 80 pitches in four innings. Right. 
there's your appel guy for fifth and sixth. So like, and with Eflin's knee, you just never know. So either that or man, it would be nice to just drop a 10 spot on Charlie Morton on Tuesday night and just see a Pell kind of come in and throw some mop up. That would be nice because who cares about the results? The guy's getting his feet wet in a low pressure situation. That's ideal. That would be ideal. I was thinking that too. I was hoping that that would be how we first saw him because the Phillies are up by six or seven and they can afford to get him uh, whenever he gets in. We I know, right? I know, before. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm at 16 or 17 <laughs> and it's the eighth inning. And, uh, you're just, you know, the other team has pulled all of its starters. Oh, no, that's the NBA. But, no, I think no matter what, whenever he gets in, it's going to be a pretty cool moment. And I'm really looking forward to it. You don't get to see stories like this all the time in the bigs. But when they happen, it's pretty cool. So, I think – I, I honestly – I hope it happens, obviously, at home here uh, against the Braves because that will be even more special. I wonder if Dennis Quaid's around to make a sequel to The Rookie. <laughs> I do. That's right. What was the name of that movie? It was like The Rookie. The Rookie. Right. Yeah, right. The rookie. And that was the, what was the guy's name? Because that was based on the Tampa Bay reliever who came up that old, that old. I yeah, can't the, remember. The Joe Gray or I forget what his name was. It was something I can't remember anymore, which is, he's like, exactly. You guys made a movie about me and now nobody remembers who I am. If we weren't from Philly, we wouldn't remember Papali either. Yeah, so. no, that's a great point. That is a great point. All right. Um, we'll get out of here in a minute. But by the way, the Ranger Suarez outing was clutch for him and for the rest of the year evaluating him because the first three innings, the way it started off, I was like, oh man, he's really once again, struggling a little bit to find his spots. And then, and then it's like, he flicked the switch, Greg. It was like the old, the Ranger of last year came out and he was hitting spots and he was getting inside of the right-handed hitters and ground ball after ground ball. And I was like, that's the Ranger swore. Like it, I, I just hope that that wasn't a little flash in the pan. I hope he found something there. Yeah, seven and a third. You love to see that anytime yeah. an inning starts with an eight and Rangers in there. And it's like, it's one of those things you had said it exactly right. And at least in my opinion, he's ground ball after ground ball. When he comes in and he tries to get strikeouts, it looks a lot like Vince Velasquez mm-hmm. trying to paint the corner mm-hmm. to the point where you just can't. And when you miss, your pitch count rises and rises and rises. Throw strikes. This defense, while on the whole, has been very poor at times. And I guess overall, actually, hasn't been. So bad. I should say at times they look terrible, but on the whole, they haven't been terrible. Uh, they had Bowman, some good games, by the way, with the glove against the Padres. I mean, yeah, I thought even, there were some really nice plays that they made. If Alec Bohm can remember to tag third one of these days, <sighs> it will be, will be all right. But Ranger, when he gets ground balls, like Didi is when he gets to it, he makes the catch. Bryson Stott's been incredible. Gene yep. Segura is a gold glove candidate at second. Reese has to catch the ball at first, and Alec has to know where, you know, be better situationally, but mm-hmm. the defense, at least on the infield, hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be. So Ranger kind of trusting his defense a little bit more. Go for the ground balls. Trust your guys. Like Tomper, trust your guys. I trust like your that. Guys. So it's, right. it's nice to see Ranger have that type of outing. Three strikeouts, I'll take that all day. Absolutely. It's not with him. It's not about overpowering. It's just about getting those ground balls, turning guys getting turned over and off balance. And yeah. uh, I really hope that, that he found something there in that last start. Let's wrap it up with this. We got a nine-game homestand coming up here starting uh, Tuesday night. Uh, is that right? Yeah, Tuesday night against the Braves. So it's Braves, Cardinals, Nationals. Braves, Braves, Nats, Cards in that order, yeah. Yeah. Bra- no, Braves, Cards, Nats, I think. Really? Yeah, Cardinals are the first, second, and third. Then they have a day off the fourth, and then it's Nationals, five, six, seven. Oh, my bad. Yep, you're right. Um, I know there's no Bryce, so I want to be. I, I want to think five and four would be – 
because you're playing two pretty good teams in the Braves and the Cards, but then, you know, you got to at least have two from the Nationals. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting uh, – you got to have at least five. If you, to, for I would say to, to make us feel better about where you're headed without Bryce Harper, five and four would make me feel all right. I would love six and three. I think everybody would. I'm trying to be realistic here. Five and four against in that schedule – um, to me, is is a realistic ask. Your, your thought? Got to sweep the Nats. I mean, you just took four out of five. And, you know, I know a lot of those games were close. Got to sweep the Nats because you got that tough kind of sandwich in between with the Braves and Cards. Cardinals are a game and a half above them in the wild card. That can change in a couple of days. But, like, I, you know, got to sweep the Nats. Got to end that, that, that homestand strong. I am um, – I got to say six and three. You yeah. I see when you say it that way, sweep the nets. Got to sweep uh, the nets. You, you got to get, yeah. You got to get more than two out of your six with the nationals and Cardinals. Then yeah, I was you, just trying to be realistic. You got 19 games against the nets. Just played five. You got 14 more games against the nationals. You're a game and a half out of the wild card. You have to take advantage of playing teams like that. We still get two series with the reds, two with the pirates, two with the Cubs, another with the D backs. Like there are so much, schedule to look ahead to yeah that when you have the Nats just take care of business they're outside of Josh Bell and Juan Soto they're not a scary team Cesar Hernandez and Mike Alfranco 2017 called I'm sorry I'm I'm done you know that you just yeah. got to beat those types of teams and John Paxson with that ERA over over six last time yeah, yeah facing that was whew. Uh, it's amazing to think he was like the World Series hero a couple of years ago right just <laughs> coming out of the bullpen for them uh, all right, what's coming up next on the on We Podcast and We Know Things? Well, that's a good question. Uh, so if, if you don't know, and maybe you don't, we just um, – so we're like a, a nerdy news kind of recap show. We do video games, TV, movies, comic, everything in between. My, my friend Sam and I, we do that show. We've been doing it for six years now. And I guess we go as the news goes. And so um, Stranger Things uh, 4 Part 2 is about to oh, drop, yeah. so we're going to have our review of that. Better Call Saul comes back July 11th, so we're going to have our review every single week. We do a Better Call Saul recap, so if you're a fan of that show, we do that. Um, hopefully there's a Nintendo Direct this week. We're going to have that covered. So we got tons of stuff. We just had five of the biggest episodes we've ever had, including an interview with the great Pete Peppers. He's got 163,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube. He does all these great breakdowns of great TV shows. So um, lots of stuff coming for the pod. Thanks for the little plug. I appreciate that. But uh, if you're into gaming, movies, TV, we podcast and we know things, check us out on literally anywhere podcasts are available. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm glad we gave you an opportunity to kind of pinch it here for Frank and talk some Phillies, which again, you don't get to uh, really do on your other podcast. So you are uh, a brilliant mind with baseball and we really appreciated you for stepping in, Greg. And uh, please come back again next time we need a pinch hitter. Is that good? Always happy to be here, Jeff. It's always great to chat with you. All right. For Greg Hall, I'm Jeff Mosher. Frank Close will be back with us next time on the Powder Blue Podcast.